0: Welcome to the Photography Opinion Podcast. We discuss all things photo, video, and camera-related. I'm Ben Lucas. And I'm
1: Stuart Marlantis.
0: And this is PhotoOp. What's up, everybody? So uh, we have a list that we found of new photographer mistakes. That, so they're top five mistakes new photographers make. We looked at this list, and oh boy, do we have opinions.
1: <laughs> many, many opinions.
0: Uh, so we're going to review uh, their list, give our opinions, and then I've got a list of five uh, on my own that I would add to it. And, then, uh, and so Stuart. do I. Yeah, so today it is 15 mistakes that new photographers make. All right, so starting with their list, not knowing your camera, not not knowing like what functions it has, what where the buttons are. All right, what do you think? Uh,
1: there is a common parlance on the internet, uh, RTFM, and I'm not going to spell that out for you entirely, but basically read your manual, read your camera read manual. Read the flippin' f- manual. Yeah, this yes. is the first thing that you should do. You you take your shiny new camera out of the box and there's this uh unfortunately kind of thick looking little book that it comes with that is the manual of all the things that the camera can do and uh how to do them that is the first thing you should do is read that manual and uh read it again and probably read it again and test things on your camera as you're reading it and get familiar with it um absolutely so yeah certainly i i that's you know it's it's very easy to get caught up in, in the shiny. You know, I want to play with the shiny and I'm going to ignore the boring book uh, it, that's, that came with it that's <laughs> seemingly unimportant. That's so easy to get trapped into and you definitely should not. Unless you're buying the exact same model of camera that you already have, that you're already familiar with, you should be opening that book and uh, get studying.
0: Absolutely. So uh, I think the two more things that I would add to this mistake is one, hell yes, learn your camera. But the thing is not just the functions and like where the gyroscopic level and stuff is, but do you know how to change ISO and aperture and shutter speed? Do you know where those buttons are? And do you know if they, you're at F2 and you have to change to F11? How many stops is that to flip the other way on shutter speed and ISO? By the way, for those of you at home, that's four, four stops, <laughs> two, eight, four, five, six, eight, 11. four stops. You can count them. Um, yeah. These are the things that I had to learn in school. You have to be very technical. Um, do you have to shoot manual all the time? No, but you need to be able to. Step one is absolutely learn your camera, learn what it can do. That means learning uh, what lens focal length is and does. That means learning um, what shutter speed and ISO are and what they do. It means learning everything about the technical tool that you have in your hand. Exactly. Not just the menu.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of... uh, Just like learning almost any subject, uh, you learn a lot of the theory before you can put it into practice and before you can lean on existing tools to help you. So, you know, we all went through <laughs> well uh, we all, all went through school, all learned how to, you know, calculate things by hand and then the common <laughs> thing that you hear from kids is, well, uh, but we have calculators, why do we need to know any of this stuff? hey well, when
0: we were growing up, they said you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket. Uh, yes, that's I
1: That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but that aside, it is a good thing to know, to know the theory, to know the base level of knowledge yes. before you rely on the automated tools. It's good to know how to shoot on the M of the dial before you shoot on the P or the A or whatever P you have. professional. Your, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> before you use the automated settings. Those are great and definitely there's no shame in using them, but uh, know how to shoot manual before you lean on them too much.
0: All right. So, uh, the next one on their list is choosing the wrong lens. And specifically, they were making the example of using a wide-angle lens when you should be using a telephoto for portraits. That type of thing.
1: Uh, I, I mean, is there any is any lens a wrong lens? That's kind of my my opinion here's, on that.
0: <laughs> here's what I think about it. It's not necessarily that you're choosing the wrong lens, like uh I think that most new photographers, the mistake that they actually make is including too much in the frame. Yeah. So because your camera default comes with an 18 to 55, you think 55 is telephoto newsflash. Mm -hmm. It's not. So, so I I think that it's, you're not getting close enough to your subject or you're not zooming in and you're not isolating the important details. And that's Mm -hmm. why your photos look bad.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, your 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 standard eighteen to fifty five those those lenses can do a lot, and using one certainly is not bad. But really, you need to work on your your composition, working on not having things be too busy, not having things be uh, too distracting, and and really, like you said, focusing in on your subject. Um, and think about that more than think about the specific lens that you're shooting on the specific. Uh, those specific details are less important than composition.
0: Absolutely. All right, so number three on their list was shooting in bad light. What do you think?
1: Uh, I mean, that certainly doesn't help you. (laughs) I'm not sure that I would include it as one of my top things. Um, I uh, I would point people in the direction of, well, if the light is bad, how can you improve it?
0: Find it better. Yeah, so my opinion on that is like, If you're shooting a portrait in the middle of the day, you can't just throw your arms up in the air and say, ah, too bad, I can't shoot today, the light's bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, Learn flash. Mm -hmm. Learn how to use the tools at your disposal. Learn how to bend the light to your will and Mm -hmm. get the photo that you need. Uh, There is something true to be said about, you know, shooting in good light versus bad light. Uh, Joe McNally said, if you want better photos, stand in front of more interesting stuff. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah a landscape at noon is never going to look as good as a landscape at sunset mm-hmm, i mean mm-hmm. i mean if if you shoot landscapes that's 101 right there
1: and and if you if you just you know sprung all this money on a camera and you, and you can't afford a flash fine get a white piece of paper or white fiber uh, uh like a white board or or if you can maybe a little bit a little bit more money but still not as much of a as, as a flash get a Get a reflector. Get something to help learn how to light things. Um, don't just give up because it's high noon.
0: What I did when I first got started was I actually went to my local auto parts store and I got for ten bucks a uh, um, window shield screen to protect sure. you from the sun. Perfect. And I used that for like a year. Um, I like. Is it technically color accurate? No. Is it super awkward to hold and make you look at up Yes. Did it work? Heck yes, it did. Yeah,
1: or, or at the very least, it works for learning. And that will yeah, get you on the path to figuring out what exactly you need. It's, it's not always good to just run out and buy a bunch of stuff when you can experiment with some cheaper options first and, and point you in a better direction uh, from that point onward.
0: All right, so uh, number four, they had not using the rule of thirds. For those of us who are unfamiliar with rule of thirds, Stuart, what is rule of thirds?
1: The rule of thirds is basically you shoot your subject in a photo uh, on a grid, um, which basically cuts your, if you're looking at a a photo, imagine cutting it uh, two times vertically and two times horizontally so that there are three columns and three rows. That is the rule of thirds. So in theory, you're putting your subject on one of those lines or at the intersection of those lines instead of keeping them like purely centered or off to one side or whatever. Using that, uh, those lines is the rule of thirds because they are thirds of the frame.
0: That's exactly what the rule of thirds are. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I mean, rule of thirds are great. If, if you don't know composition, absolutely use the rule of thirds. My opinion on this is that you need to learn the rules before you're allowed to break them. If you are Wes Anderson, and he loves putting things smack dab in the center and making everything as symmetrical as possible, you're Wes Anderson. You can get away with that. But until you know why you're breaking the rule for a specific purpose, don't.
1: Agreed. Yeah, learning composition in general the rule of thirds is just an aspect of composition like focus on learning all of that instead of just saying well i know the rule of thirds so i can frame anything
0: the rule of thirds is a great starting point yeah but it is tip of the iceberg
1: exactly exactly
0: um uh and their last tip was only shooting in jpeg
1: yeah so i mean certainly um there are huge advantages which we're planning on talking about at some point To i -hmm. think that should be our next episode what do you think (laughs) maybe so maybe we should talk about about jpeg versus raw jpeg versus raw let's
0: do it okay i'm up for
1: that um so yeah uh shooting jpeg only i certainly wouldn't recommend shooting jpeg only the vast majority of the time if not all the time um but that's probably not what i would go with as one of the Five biggest mistakes. Yeah, no,
0: there are there are a lot of bigger mistakes that you can make, but I mean, this list was written by a random on the internet. What do you know? So, so (laughs) I think I think the biggest trap into like shooting JPEG only is the I can fix it in post Mm -hmm. mentality Mm -hmm. of like if you shoot in JPEG, you have less options to fix in post. But if you're shooting raw, so that you can fix it in post, and you're you're using that as a crutch, and you're not going to be able to learn.
1: Yeah, that's the bigger trap. Um, Just just saying, "Ah, I'm not going to work on this. I'm just going to fix it later. That is a huge pitfall that you can get stuck in. And shooting JPEG only, while it's probably not the best thing ever, it's certainly not as bad as just the mentality of, yeah, it's close enough, I'll fix it. Right, (laughs) right.
0: Yeah, whenever someone's like, oh, yeah, that extension cord, you can fix it in post. You just grab the clone tool and circle it around and do that. I'm like, or you could just pull the thing out yeah, of the wall you could just move yeah it. if you have the fix in post <laughs> mentality it makes my screen call crawl and you need to learn your craft before yeah. you just like technology will save me anyway that's my opinion on that <laughs> um so we all, each have our own list of uh five mistakes that we think are more important and bigger mistakes that new photographers make specifically you're you're still learning you're still getting into this you know wonderful uh thing we call photography um so i'll start Uh, I think that one of the biggest, number five, the number five biggest mistake here is not having a clear subject or purpose. I think uh, street photographers fall into this trap a lot. They see something and they just take a photo, but there's like a bunch of people milling around and it's like, what's the focus? Is it that guy? Is it this? Is it that? And they're like, well, it's a good photo and it's artistic. No. Like, why is it artistic? Um, If you... The, the smaller trap of this is when you shoot something that has two competing focal points. Um, but I think when you just shoot a photo where I don't know or understand what the photo is of or is about. That's what I see most often. Um, so maybe it's that you're not sure what the subject is. Or maybe it's that you took a photo of a thing and you're not isolating it well enough that you just left in all the other garbage. Excellent. All right. Give us number five on your list.
1: So number five on my list is uh, a little bit more vague, but it's actually uh, expecting to be perfect. We're, we're talking about a lot of stuff today uh, and in this podcast in general, all sorts of best practices, best things to do. Um, perfect is sort of by nature unattainable. Like expecting that you're, by doing everything exactly as... You know anybody out there on the internet, us included, says um, doing everything that they say and expecting your work to be spot on every single time, perfect in every way—that's just not healthy. Like, there's always going to be things that you can fix, and that's part of growing and learning and being better. Your 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 expectations for yourself and your taste should always outpace your actual ability. You should always be be reaching and being and working at being better all the time um so expecting to be perfect is is it's good to aspire to perfection but don't let it get you down if you're always just just out of reach of what you think the best thing is don't let that affect you and don't let that prevent you from doing good work Um, don't let perfect be get in the way of of being good of, of doing good work and perfect and putting is work the out enemy there. of good exactly perfect is, that's what i was getting towards perfect is yeah. the enemy of good um perfect can be the enemy of of any work at all sometimes and, and i i fall into this too where i'm like oh well that you know i could do this thing but it's probably not going to be as as cool uh uh, when it, when it's done as what I have in my head. So maybe I should just not do it. Don't get stuck in that. That means that you'll never do anything and you'll just be increasingly depressed at your lack of
0: output. That's true. So, S- yeah. Something that I would piggyback on, on that is if you shoot a ton of photos... And you're like, darn, only one or two of these are good. Well, if you listen to our last episode about how to uh, put together a photography website, mm-hmm. you only have to show the very best thing that you shoot. I just did an engagement session a couple of weeks ago where I think I shot 600 photos during the engagement session and I showed the client 98.
1: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's... for
0: various reasons, those other ones just weren't good. And I'm a professional who's been doing this ten years. So
1: so you're your own worst critic. Like everybody see you when you're shooting something, making something. You see all the mistakes, you see all the struggling, you see all the issues. And guess what? Nobody else sees that. Everybody else sees the finished product. Product that you show them, and uh, they they don't see those mistakes. They don't see those issues. So you can criticize yourself harshly and. You know, maybe that's sometimes that's good because it drives you to do better and better work, but don't don't take it too far. Like the the better thing to do is to make things is to do things and not get too stuck on perfection.
0: Perfect. Irony, the transition there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's your number four? (laughs) So uh, my number four is not moving your feet. Um, Another way that you can think about this is taking the first shot. So um, let's just take the Taj Mahal as an example, okay? Imagine the Taj Mahal in your head, there is that one photo in front of that really long waterway in front of the Taj Mahal, that is the only photo everyone takes, right? That is the photo that people take because it's nice and it's good, but if you don't just want to recreate the postcard that you saw on the stand... What is it that you can do? So by moving your feet, sometimes like if you have a zoom lens, you really get in the crutch of like, oh, if I need to get closer, I zoom in. Well, what happens if you walk closer? What happens if if, when you get to the park, instead of saying that looks good over there, let's start shooting there. Walk around the park, see what you can see. So something that I, I talk about, um, I actually have a video on my channel about this. Um, I was shooting a wedding. It's what gifts does a location have to give you? Mm-hmm. So walk around, look at it from every different angle. Don't just look at eye level. Look low, look high, look look up, look down, look, t- turn around, look behind you. What is there? Because there's probably something more interesting or at least something that people haven't seen before that you're going to miss if you only take that first shot and call it a day.
1: Exactly. your Your perspective really informs what you're able to shoot. And if you don't have a varied perspective, how are you going to have... Varied photos.
0: <laughs> right. Absolutely. All yeah. right, Stuart, your number four.
1: All right, my number four. Um, well, in a sense, it's only using shallow depth of field, or uh, in addition, only using Dutch angles, or getting stuck in those sort of compositional ideas. Um, you
0: guys are getting a freebie tip right there. That's two.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of two and <laughs> one. So so shallow depth of field, right? It's it's so you know I, I remember getting my first Nifty 50, having that that 1.8. To play with. and When being, you
0: move from a 5.6 to a 1.8, your eyes get opened. Oh, right? boy. Oh,
1: boy. <laughs> or at least mine was a 1.8. Some people get 1.4s or whatever. Rich people. Rich, Rich people. people. <laughs> <by 1. 4s. laughs> but anyway, mine was a 1.8. And uh, and it it was so exciting that I could finally blur everything out behind my, my subject. And I wanted to just shoot wide open all the time. I thought that, that was super cool. And and that is something that i see pretty much everybody doing the same thing that i did which is which is just sticking your nifty 50 on 1.4 or 1.8 and shooting everything like that and sure that is a a great tool to have available to you having that shallow depth of field if it if it is legitimately a considered part of your composition that is a great tool but if you shoot everything that way all of a sudden, your starts your all your work starts to look really samey and really identical and really uninteresting because you're shooting everything the exact same way.
0: Also, really blurry and out of focus.
1: Yeah, and often people can't nail focus on that. So yeah, be, <laughs> be careful. The, the shallower your the, depth of field, the harder it gets to get everything perfectly yes. in focus that the you want. The
0: other cliche that you mentioned though is Dutch angles. Dutch angles. So what is a Dutch angle?
1: So a Dutch angle is, uh, basically a tilt, uh, like you're not, your horizon is not level. You've got a substantial tilt on your horizon, um, to, in theory to, uh, well, like any composition to, br- Here, I'll to bring just
0: tilt my webcam for those of you.
1: Yeah. To bring attention. Um, I have now
0: Dutch angled my webcam. For there those you, of you go. <laughs> <on YouTube. laughs>
1: there, there's a Dutch angle tilting your, tilting your horizon to, uh, if if it's used perfectly to to help inform your composition to help tell the story you're trying to tell um a lot of people see that and they think oh that looks really different or or edgy or cool or um you know uneasy and they really want to stick with shooting dutch angles or horror of horrors shooting dutch angles with a shallow depth of field all the time <laughs> um so that would yeah be the, just the, the dutch worst. angle thing specifically
0: <laughs> so that actually comes from a filmmaking technique it and does. the dutch angle is used to create a sense of unease mm-hmm. and tension and so it's used to great effect in movies like like blade runner and like these these you know older like intense um mm-hmm. a lot of the like sci-fi dystopian movies dutch angles are perfect because you see that Thrillers, drama and that tension kind of and it makes you feel uncomfortable looking at that frame mm-hmm. and then i see wedding photographers shoot with dutch angles and the thing is like they're, hmm. they're not getting <laughs> exactly so so that is that is the thing um which actually that's that segues perfectly into my next one Perfect. so so my my number three tip is not learning composition. So I'm not just talking – this is like rule of thirds to the extreme type thing, Mm -hmm. but it's not just learning a rule. So the thing is every rule can be broken, and there are consequences to breaking that rule, which may be a good thing or a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So if I take a photo, right, and I face your face to the side – so that I'll, I'll face this way. Cause my mic's that way. I face your face to the side. Those of you on YouTube are getting a lovely demonstration here. <laughs> um, and so, so if I put my face really close to the edge of the frame, so all of the headroom is behind me. Well, that makes it feel Like uneasy intention and it makes it feel claustrophobic like I don't have anywhere to go usually you want to put space in front of the nose so Mm -hmm. that you have that extra space and breathing room and ease well the thing is if you break that rule because you're trying to get the viewer to get that feeling of unease and tension or sorrow or claustrophobia then you can do that but by not knowing the rule and then breaking it you are unintentionally causing that like discomfort the viewer so Mm -hmm. every single rule has a if you has has extremes right shallow depth of field f2 versus f64 everything's in focus front to back they both have their purposes and you need to learn what each one does psychologically when people are looking at the photo and what effect or feeling it creates so that way you know when to create the effect or feeling
1: yeah, you don't want your wedding to seem uneasy, so don't shoot the yeah. <laughs> So, so
0: yeah, the the like yeah, we, if you don't know, rule of thirds is the very first photo rule that most people learn because it just helps immediately right off the bat. But um, there are there are so many more uh, composition considerations, way more than we can talk about today. Mm-hmm. But not learning all of those considerations and being able to put into practice to get the effects that you want, I think that's a huge mistake. Huge all right so give us give us your number three
1: number three uh oversaturating your colors um and oh and kind we
0: of, all did this
1: kind of over processing <laughs> in general so oversaturating over uh over using the clarity slider in Lightroom. I, th- I,
0: I think when you're a new photographer and you learn the term hdr you just immediately and hdr, HDR everything. oh man <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, i i i get it like i get it you you fire up Lightroom for the first time, and you start you start moving things around. You start moving that saturation slider, that clarity slider, and you're like, "Wow, that like pops off my screen. That is amazing. Like, I want everything to look like that." You you think that, but you really don't. (laughs) Don't. No,
0: no, you don't. This landscape behind me, uh, it looks landscapes look good, poppy and saturated. But if you drag that way too much, where like the blue is just neon off the charts it mm-hmm. doesn't look real anymore it doesn't look lovely it looks like a mm-hmm. bad photo
1: if you yeah if you want your photo to look to look fake to look like a painting or like a you know to just look really like an alien world then yeah maybe you want to oversaturate <laughs> saturate a little bit but less is more with with these kind of things like if you're trying to represent reality really represent reality um there's i know that that oversaturated stuff over clarified stuff gets a lot of response from the general public the general public doesn't have the the information doesn't have the education that you do when you're shooting a photo and they just see something really vibrant and pretty on their phone screen and they think like, and or they, they hit like, and they don't think any more about it. Um, if you're trying to really be considerate in your editing and be considerate in editing that will attract clients to shoot what you want to shoot, then really think about how you're using saturation and clarity. Really think about when you need to use HDR, um, when that's a tool that is actually worth your time and, uh, and, and proceed accordingly uh oversaturation i did it i did horrible hdrs i did did tons (laughs) of horrible saturation i get it and we all go through that and i and i try to warn people away from it although it's the hdr hump in photography
0: your photos start getting better and then you learn hdr and then they get worse again it really is it really (laughs) is
1: and and i get it and i say this but i still kind of expect everybody to go through that phase i think we all kind of do to some degree um that being said, you can lessen that phase a little bit if you <laughs> listen to what we're, <laughs> we're saying today and, and really try to try to ease back on that a
0: little bit. <laughs> I, I, I think in the just kind of like over processing something that I see a ton mm. in a lot of the uh, practice photography groups that I'm a part of um, are when people just over process the heck out of like a portrait photo. So the skin tone no longer looks like skin. Yeah, so when there's they're like, oh, we want to go with like a dark, gritty feel. And then they just look super gray like they've been uh, hanging on a meat hook like a extra Mm. in the sopranos like no that's that's not good you have this gorgeous woman in this gorgeous dress why did you do that to her Mm. skin tone
1: like the composition um stuff the the editing tools you have available to you it's good to know how far you can push it it's good to know the tools that you have available so that you know when to not push it too far
0: absolutely yeah what's your number two Oh, my number two. Are we already on my number two?
1: Yeah, because you you said learning composition last. Oh, yeah. uh,
0: Look at that. Okay. So my number two is not being able to improvise. See what I did there? See what I did there? Ah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But so, so what I really think is like you go in to a photo shoot with a plan, right? And then that plan doesn't work. So what are you gonna do? Are you gonna tell your client, "Oh, I'm sorry, it didn't work. We'll have to reschedule." Or, I give up. Or, or <laughs> I give up. I'm gonna make excuses. <laughs> no, uh, like if if you if you are you know like a busy parent taking time out of your schedule to take you know two hours to go shoot something and you're running into some issue. You make it work. You don't call it quits. You want that time. You want those photos. You need to learn how to do that. If you are a new photographer who, yeah, maybe it's not a lot of money, but someone paid you some money so that you can take photos for them, and then all of a sudden your flashes aren't going off, well, do you know how to use window light and reflectors? And do you know how to, if you don't have a plan B, you don't have to have a plan B for everything. You don't have to like obsessively plan, but you need to be able to think on your feet and problem solve. So I really think that, like, being a photographer, especially, like, a portrait photographer, portrait photographers are, like, 10% technician and, like, 90% therapist. Like, you just (laughs) need to get that out of out of your client. But the thing is like, um, you come up with a plan and then that plan goes to garbage and then you need to come up with a new plan. So if you can't, if you don't know your tools and you can't improvise and you can't think on your feet and you don't have another, maybe it's not exactly what you had in mind, but if you don't have another way of getting that photo that you need to get, um, I think that's a huge mistake. So it's like in Photoshop, whenever I see anyone ask, like, how do you do X, Y, Z in Photoshop? Well, I'll see people say, oh, use the clone tool, use the healing tool, use frequency separation, use uh, skin plug You know, these are all these different things you can do. Great. You now have a whole handful of tools. So when number A, number A, <laughs> when your plan A doesn't work, you have a plan B. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think the biggest mistake is learning one thing. And then when that thing doesn't work, just throwing up your hands and giving up. Learn multiple ways to do everything because not everything is the correct way in every situation.
1: Definitely. Keep moving forward. Um, it's, you know, it, sometimes, you you, you know, it, it really, when I think about improvisation, sometimes some of the best stuff that I've shot was because of improvisation. It was because my original plan didn't work out and I was forced to do something different and creative and interesting. And it led to something so great that it wouldn't have otherwise so really take take improvisation as a blessing as something that you can use to make some make the situation make the project make the photo even better than it could have been
0: absolutely no that is that is so true because sometimes especially if you're a new photographer your plan might be terrible (laughs) so when that plan doesn't work and you're forced to come up with a new one you're probably coming up with something better
1: yeah, I still have terrible plans, so if you can make me improvise, <laughs> great. It's probably better than what I had in mind.
0: <laughs> All right, so so uh, let's see. What, what do you have, number two, on number your list?
1: Number two. Uh, <laughs> speaking of improvisa- improvisation, using new gear on an important shoot, uh, this will lead you to have... To have to improvise because invariably your new gear will fail or you will not know exactly how to use it in the correct way yeah well very we talked important about shoot. like
0: knowing your camera if you have yeah. something if some someone's paying you money or you have something that can't be replicated if you have something really important don't rent it the day of rent it no. a couple days before rent it a week before uh read the manual and learn how it. to use that thing before yeah test oh it God.
1: do a dry oh run do dry do another dry run and then do another dry run <laughs> like make sure that this thing is going to work exactly how I expect how you expect when you're you know you're out there shooting and uh when the when the chips are on the table the cards are on the table excuse me. To get the chips, you put the cards on the table. <laughs> make, <laughs> yeah, but make ab- sure that everything is dialed in and tested and ready to go. Absolutely um, so nothing that you don't have that feels worse failure.
0: than yeah, being on set and being like, "Oh, this thing is broken," and then like, "Oh, it, yeah. you, that switch right there, you didn't have it on."
1: Yeah, or, or worse, Ooh. you're that guy who's like, "Oh, it's not working. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know. You look really unprofessional. You do. It's not you good. Do. And, yeah.
0: Wh- sorry. Go ahead." Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, when something <laughs> breaks um, on my end, um, I I have a mental time limit in my head of just, like, I'm chit-chatting with them, mm-hmm. and I'll just be like, yeah, so have you seen any good movies this weekend? And if we get through that 30-second conversation and I haven't fixed it, I'm throwing that back into my gear bag and I'm going with my plan B. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I can't fix it before that awkward small talk window becomes into a much larger awkward small talk, like, no. Plan B, like, like you, you have to improvise,
1: improvise. <laughs> Look at that. Um, Kind of going along with that again, like a two, a two tips in one. Um, really think about the gear that you're bringing on a shoot. You, you might be excited and think, Oh, this shoots, this shoot means that I have to get this new piece of gear. I need this to do this shoot. R- really though, Ooh. do you really need Ooh. it? Do you really need to spend that money are you going to put in the time to learn it and test it? Is it absolutely necessary um, before you go out on that shoot? Uh, and sometimes that is, right? Sometimes it's a great way to finance new gear is you take a job where you need this piece of gear and that job pays for that piece of gear. Great. But that's the only time you should be doing that. And you should, again, test and test and test and test hey, before Facebook, you go out and do that Hey, Facebook, I'm in
0: shoot. this photo and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: how I finance a lot of my gear, right? But that's not how you should... That's not what you should do every time. Uh, <laughs> shoots are not an excuse to buy new gear, as much as I'd like them to always be that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I, uh, my my favorite clip ever, which, uh, if you just go onto YouTube and search "I have a 5D," you will oh, find yeah. the most amazing clip from the show Veep of him being like, "Yeah, well, I have a 5D, but do you, do you need it? Do you? Yeah, but I have one. Okay." <laughs> Okay, okay. Which segues into my number one. Okay, don't be an elitist jerk. All right? So, if you're if you're the rich doctor who can afford to have a 5D to shoot press briefings, okay, fine. But we all get into this hobby of photography because we love it, and we're learning together, and, you know, we want to share tips. I just had someone the other day post on their Facebook, uh, what camera should I get? And so uh, someone actually tagged me in this because they're like, hey, professional photographer, what camera should this person get? But by the time I saw it, it already had over 30 comments. One person said, get DSLR. I hear that's a good one. <laughs> oh, it hurts. It hurts. Hurts my soul on a deep level. Uh, (laughs) Other people are saying definitely get Nikon. Everything else is garbage. Other people are saying definitely get Canon. Everything else is garbage. And then other people are like, oh, you should get a mirrorless. Everything else is garbage. Like, oh, man. People in this community. I mean, this is an opinion podcast. We have opinions. But doesn't everyone have opinions? And some people are just so elitist about it and so toxic about it. My opinion on all of that stuff is like, cool. What did you do with it?
1: Yeah, so here's my perspective uh, on that. It, the gear that works for you isn't necessarily the gear that works for somebody else or is best for their situation or how they think or how they shoot or what they shoot. If, if a Canon works for you and a Sony works for me, which is how it currently is, uh, great, cool. That yeah. works for us. Excellent. Awesome. If a Panasonic works for you, Excellent. If, Which uh, will actually
0: probably be my next camera. I need yeah. I need a good B camera for doing video work, and it'll probably be a Panasonic because that's what I research and that's what works for me.
1: Yeah, grant, Yeah, granted, some cameras are better at certain things than others. Yeah. <laughs> but it it ultimately doesn't matter, right? At the end of the day, are you making good things? Are you making cool pictures? Are you are you doing interesting work? Awesome. Guess what? Doesn't matter the logo that's on your camera. You know who cares? That doesn't yeah, matter. It,
0: I, th- I something else about not being an elitist jerk um when someone asks for advice don't be mean about it or like condescending or anything yeah. like we're all at different levels we were all beginners once mm-hmm. um something else is like i made the joke earlier p for professional right <laughs> but like there there's also people that are like well if you're not shooting in manual like what are you even doing you're not a real photographer don't 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 be that guy like like you I think everyone should know how to shoot in manual because then they know what their camera can do. And then they can consciously choose to use one of the automatic modes that works for them in that situation. Don't be a jerk about it. I think the other thing that people do is they're like, Oh, well I'm a natural light photographer. Therefore I'm better than you. I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm an available light photographer, which means I use any light I have available, (laughs) including the ones in my bag. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, you might be really proud of your your setup, your style, your particular gear. and that's cool. L- l- show that through the things that you're making and not through the words that you spew on Facebook to try to impress everybody. That's it's not gonna do what you think it does. <laughs> it is not. It is
0: not. so that is that is my absolute number one tip for newbies. Don't be All a right. jerk. What is what is your number one tip?
1: My number one tip is uh, don't spend too much time learning and not enough time doing. So Ooh. what you're doing right now is bad. Don't don't learn from <laughs> us. <laughs> Stop right now. Go Stop shoot listening instead. and go shoot something. <laughs> what are you doing here? Don't do this. No, uh, really, though, it, there, this is a, an easy trap to get into. and It's a trap that I get into constantly, which is, oh, I, I really like learning new things. And then... I want to learn something else. And then I want to learn something else. I, don't, well, I want to learn something else. And I kind of learn all these things theoretically, but I never apply do any of them. I never yeah. do them. I never apply any practical knowledge. And guess what? That's, that's really that, you know, my, my brain's really happy that I, I theoretically learned these things, but do I have anything to show for it? Nope. I can tell people, Oh yeah, I, I learned about that. Oh, cool. Then uh, what did you, what did you shoot? what did you make with it? oh well i didn't i didn't do that i I just yeah i just learned about it like learning is good and you should have a a basis of learning right we've we've repeated this many times learn learn the rules learn learn, do learn and then do but don't learn and then just keep learning and keep learning keep learning and never do anything you will learn by doing trust me you'll learn by making mistakes
0: i think how people fall into that trap is like They'll get an online course, or they'll look up a YouTube tutorial or whatever, and they'll be like, wow, that's really cool. And then what you should do when you're done with that is you should stop. Yeah. And you should go internalize the thing that you just learned, whether it's a new Photoshop technique or a thing that you can do with your camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what people do is they just go down the rabbit hole and they just they Netflix binge all of that content. But you don't learn that way; Mm-mm. you learn by by taking taking the time to break and think about it and internalize it and practice it. Yeah,
1: learn it and then a- learn something and then apply it and keep applying it and keep applying it. And when you when you reach when you reach an endpoint where we when you reach something where you're like, Well, I don't know how to do that. How do I do that? Then, you know, I've I've done all of these things, but there's this other thing or this other aspect or this other project, this other style that I really like. How do I do that? That's the time to break out the books, break out the YouTube videos and and learn the next thing so that you can keep building and keep building. It should be it should be, you know, step by step by step and not just I learned all the things and then I never actually It never resulted in anything useful.
0: That's true. So um those are our fifteen tips, five viewing clean the article, five from five from me, and five from Stuart that uh new photographers make when they are just starting off and learning. So uh we really do hope that you find this useful. If you learn something stop this video right now <laughs> and, and do <laughs> and do it <laughs> uh but uh no so i'm ben lucas uh if you want to find me on the socials uh i'm at nom creative that is uh n-o-m creative as an om um, nom nom and stewart where can people find you
1: i'm not creative so everything around me is based on my name which is just Stuart marlantis <laughs> I've got uh, the socials and I have the websites and all that fun stuff, which the will be in the show notes. The and the
0: websites. Absolutely. And the websites. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, if you want to check out our website, um, please do so. It is photo op show. That is photo dash op dot show. Yep. Um, and all the information and emails and socials will be there. So yep. our email um, is
1: hello at photo dash op dot show. And uh, that'll be in the show notes
0: absolutely so i think we mentioned earlier in this episode when they were talking about only shooting jpeg that our next video should be uh, raw versus jpeg i think it's
1: time so raw versus it's, jpeg it's time. <laughs> we are going to
0: throw down oh yeah <laughs> oh yes all right so stay tuned for that next time
1: thanks for watching and listening
0: my name's ron burgundy <laughs>